The Second Act podcast is brought to you by Chin Whiskers Beard and Hair Care. Chin Whiskers is an affordable, Canadian-made, 100% natural men's grooming line. It's available at your local Tommy Guns Original Barbershop, Amazon, or at chinwhiskers.ca. Welcome to the Second Act podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the Second Act Podcast. Uh, today we're sitting down with a, a cowboy, uh, a poet, and a traumatic brain injury survivor. We have a cowboy named Curtis Anderson who took some time to sit down with us. And and it's, it's uh, an interesting look at uh, how, how something like that life-altering can change someone's outlook. You know, we, we talk a little bit about kind of who he was before his accident. Um, but, but it almost doesn't matter because, because it's who he's become since his accident that is really so remarkable. Uh, my, uh, my dad was also at one point in his life um, a victim of a traumatic brain injury and, and it, you know, we, I look at how my dad's accident affected him and I look at how Curtis's accident affected him and and there's two really big kind of differences in in the way that they approached their their recovery and and neither one's righter or wronger but it's just super interesting to see Curtis um and and hear him talk about his injury and hear him talk about his recovery uh you'll notice there's there's uh some some echoing going on with my audio and and i'm not sure uh i tried to doctor it as best as i could um but but ultimately you're not you're not listening to me talk in this one this is one of those ones uh where the the proof is in the guest uh to listen to curtis and hear him talk about his points of view, the way he approaches every single day that is ultimately so important in his recovery, no days off. And and we can go through and, and parse the little nuggets of data, but it's the totality of his story that is so incredible. Um, there was more than once throughout this um, throughout this interview where the hair on the back of my neck was standing up, listening to Curtis talk about how he's how he's attacking these these challenges as they crop up, and and he's you know he he has a canned you know nine minute speech that he kicks into at the beginning. Um, that he that he kind of tells everywhere he goes to give you an idea. So I, I just kind of let him flow into that, and then we start to talk, and and then he has a couple of you know real stories that are ready to be told about meeting some people that were involved in in saving his life uh, when his when his injury happened at at the Pinocchio Stampede in two thousand and two. And it's just, it's, it's really, it's, it's quick. It's, it's only about half an hour, but it's just incredible. Um, I really hope you, you can take the time to listen to it and, and get something out of it about the perseverance 
the drive, the determination, um, and the patience. That was the the one word that kept coming up through this discussion that I, I probably wasn't ready to fully understand and grasp the meaning of and the importance of. Um, he talks about it in a couple of spots about the patience and, and how uh, you're, you're, you just, you're taking these little steps and sometimes it feels like you're not getting anywhere. And then you look back and you're like, oh, wow, I'm actually a long ways away from the starting line. And it, it was just, it was really incredible. Um, I, I found out about Curtis's story through a, a former colleague and um, she, she said, you know, you should talk to this guy. He's got a really interesting, really inspiring story. And he just might fit with what the, um, the, the premise of the Second Act podcast is. And boy, oh boy, Sherry, if you're listening, uh, you couldn't have been more right. And, and I really am honored to be able to pass Curtis's story along. I think there's definitely something here for for everybody and I think um, there's there's a real understanding at the end of this that that you might come out with that you didn't have before you listened and you know for for a half an hour of your time if if you think you're going to learn something I think really realistically it's it's time well spent so uh, without any further delay please welcome Curtis Anderson Gord, thank you for giving me an opportunity to share my story and raise awareness with your listeners. June 27th, 02, started out as just another day. It was smoking hot outside. I traveled to the Pinocchio Stampede, one of the fifth biggest rodeos in the world. The last thing that I remember was setting my rope on a bull named Real Handy. They opened the gate. I lost my balance. And then, boom, boom, my head smashed the bull's head twice. I spent the first three weeks in a drug-induced coma at the University of Alberta Hospital. The first thing that I remember was the ambulance ride over to the Glenrose Rehabilitation Hospital. I didn't know where I was going and I didn't know what had happened. I soon realized that I could no longer walk, I could no longer talk, and I couldn't move my left hand. When I see my family and friends for the first time, I had to write everything down in a scribbler for the first few weeks. I had to move my left arm with my right. When I took my first steps, the physiotherapist would walk alongside me for an hour a day, teaching me how to walk step by step. It'd be your cane, left foot, and then right. There would be an assistant walking behind me with a chair so I could take a break once in a while. And it was a big deal to walk 20 feet without stopping. On May 30th, I walked 19, 
4.8 miles. I started out with a feeding tube, pureed food, then diced food, chopped up in little pieces. I am now able to cut my own steak. I started out with ice chips, thickened water, now the real stuff. The first step of independence that I regained was when I was able to make my own transfers from my bed to the chair. I was then able to take myself to therapy and for my meals. I went outside and I put my bare feet in the grass. It gave a sensation that lit up my whole body. I would even lay down in the grass and exercise. I also rolled my chair up and down the sidewalk to regain some strength. One night, I went swimming without telling anyone. Well, the security guards found me, escorted me out of the pool and back to my room. And I was wondering what everyone, what everyone was just so wound up about. I had everything under control. I was part of an oral motor group with other survivors. We would take turns pronouncing vowels and then words. The first words that I had to get off my chest and tell the world was, my ass is sore. After the meals, I'd have to sit in that chair for an hour before I was able to lay down. Throughout my recovery, people look at me and get the impression that I'm unable to do things, but you're better off to do it on your own because if you never try, you won't get better. And it doesn't matter if it takes you 10 times as long, you are still able to do it on your own. When your slate has been wiped clean, the smallest achievement is like climbing a mountain for a survivor. The first time that I went out for dinner in my chair, rolling in the restaurant was like being hit by a baseball bat. You hear everyone talking, all of the background noise, then everyone stops and stares at you. And there's too much stimulation. One day, the frustration was building up. I got mad and I threw my cane on the top of the roof. And then I looked up there and realized, well, that sure did a lot of good when I needed my cane to walk. I speak at brain injury centers and other events where there are survivors. There's been survivors tell me that I was an inspiration for them to keep going in their recovery. They can hit home with my story. I have walked down the road that they're on. I know what it is all about. No one can ever say how far you'll go. Determination, dedication, try, grit, courage, 
confidence, commitment, resilience, tenacity, perseverance, optimism, strength, and the most important is patience. There has been parents tell me, it seems like their child's recovery is going slow at times. And I remind them to look back at to where their child started till now, and there will be mountains of difference. Sometimes you need to remind yourself of that. I spoke at the J.R. Robson School in Vermilion. There was a boy that rode his bike to school all the time. At the end of the day, the boy inspected his helmet and realized it was unsafe to wear. He ended up walking his bike home. To know my story made that much of an impact is something you don't put words on. I spoke at the Pinocchio Elementary School. There was a seven-year-old boy walk up to me and say, I would like to thank you for not giving up. Well, those words went straight to my heart. I met Greg Wyanko at the First Responders Rodeo in St. Albert a few years ago. And Greg was a paramedic that put the intravenous on me in the arena that day. And I met Rob McKenzie at the Pinocchio Stampede in 2019. And Rob was the paramedic that came out of the crowd to intubate me so I could start breathing again. It's pretty darn powerful when you can shake hands with Rob, Greg, members of the Canadian Pro Rodeo Sports Medicine team that gave me an opportunity to live. A doctor told me once during my recovery, he said, Curtis, you are not out of the woodworks yet, but the trees are getting farther apart. Well, I could see more and more daylight now. I have never walked a mile in anyone else's boots, but I know what it means to never give up. Where there is a set of stairs in the public, there's usually only a railing on one side. Well, it took me eight years before I could use that left railing again. And if there wasn't one there, I'd be stuck at the top bottom. And I've asked a lot of strangers up and down the stairs. And I went, I had to go down the stairs backwards just so I could hang on to the railing with my right arm. It took me nine years to tie my hockey skates. And it took me 10 years to touch each finger to my thumb on my left hand. Be the person that's gonna take a step forward and spend some time and make a difference in someone's life. One day, someone is gonna come along 
and make a difference in yours. A big part of recovery is acceptance and realizing that life is not a matter of holding good cards, but making the most of the hand you have been dealt. For 19 years, I have played my hand and I know the bottom line, there is no such thing as I can't with any challenge that either you or I face in life. The bull, real handy. He won the fight that day fair and square. By real handy, he is long gone hamburger, and I am still here. So I end up being a champion. The true test of any recovery is when you go home and you are no longer on a schedule. You have to decide right here how much time and effort you're going to put into your end, your recovery. Now you have heard my story. It doesn't matter how many chips are down. Don't you ever, ever give up on what you want to do. No matter what life throws at you, one thing you got to believe in, you have to believe in yourself. Thank you. Wow. That's, uh, there's a lot, uh, in that, that impassioned speech, Curtis, uh, the first thing I guess, uh, that come to my mind when, when I was listening to you was, was how long had you been rodeoing? Were you a, a seasoned veteran of the rodeo and this was a fluke thing or, or was this something yeah. that, um, you, you, you could have ever, ever foresaw? No, and Gord, I'll tell you something. Two weeks before the accident, I had a severe concussion. So my brain was already injured to a certain degree. And the two hits I took a Pinoca took it over the edge. So like I'm living proof what happens when you go back too soon without letting your brain heal from the first concussion. But yeah, I had been riding bulls for 10 years up until the, the, the day. And, and it was just the, the hand slipped or whatever happened. It was just one of those things that kind of is the luck of the draw or the unluck of the draw, so to speak. Well, it, I mean, the biggest thing is my brain was already so injured and like, you know, the people that, you know, that were there watching, you know, they said it didn't look like it was that they whipped me down that hard, but it was just, my brain was already so injured. Right. But. Holy cow. So, so now you're, you're obviously back and, and you're uh, at, at the hospital. You're getting the care. They're trying to understand the extent of your injuries. Um, what, what's like, what, where's your, what's your first memories of that after after you kind of come to your, your body's not working. Like you said, your left hand, you, you can't speak. Um, are you, is this, are you thinking rationally enough to wonder, to understand what's going on? Or is this, is that part of it come months after? Oh no. I mean, you, it gets a whole new world, but I mean, you, you know, 
what's going on. I mean, you you know that you're you know unable to you know walk, talk, yada yada, but it's it's a whole it's a whole process. And I mean, Gord, right in the beginning, it took two nurses to get me out of bed to push me to therapy. And then after a while, I was able to, you know, make my own transfers. But it's, it definitely tests your strength. So when you're, when you're, obviously you're a, a active uh, young man doing all this, um, were, was it easy for you to accept that help? I mean, obviously you couldn't move and do things without it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're, your psyche is ready to understand that, accept it and accept the help. Was that a struggle for you or was that something that you embraced early because you could see that this was a part of the process? Well, I mean, you know, right at, at the beginning there, you need help, but Gord, it was like, say, even like say a year later or like, you know, people, I mean, they're trying to help, but they're always trying to kind of get in your whatever. And it, as a survivor, there's no prouder feeling than being able to do something for the first time. And until you walk down the road, you don't really know what the, that emotions like. Cause I mean, when you're, when all your independence is completely gone and you're able to do something for the first time, it's a darn sure proud feeling and it's pride too. I mean. Yeah. So were, were you a, were you a positive person by nature before your accident was, was the perseverance and the patience and all that kind of stuff. Was that, was that who Curtis was before, or was that a whole nother thing that you had to learn after the accident? I mean, I was positive, but it's that patience. I mean, it, it comes with the territory and that's the biggest, the biggest thing about recovery is you'll keep getting better as long as you want to. And I mean, it's going to be 19 years here in a couple of weeks and I'm still seeing lots of progress in my recovery. And it's the biggest thing is you all I mean you have to put the work in to get the results. Yeah, and that's that's the it's like anything. When you start to see results, it's easier to kind of keep pushing forward, even if the results are, are a long ways in between. But I, I'm just curious, like until you started seeing those results, was it was it something that you had to keep reminding yourself to do, Curtis? This is, we got to do this. We got to be able to get up. We got to be able to transfer ourselves to and from, or, or was that a, something that came natural to you? Yeah. I mean, it, it just, I guess it came along with the, your recovery. I mean, well, you know, my recovery has been my job for 19 years. And I remember when I was first in Glenrose and I started writing some things down and I wrote down, I think it was like 48 days later, I wrote down, I had a lot of work ahead of me. And then one other, on one other page, it I wrote, it takes time. And 
the thing about recovery, I mean, well, you wake up every day and they got your schedule planned for you. So I was at the U of A for three weeks in that drug-induced coma, the Glenrose for three months. Then I was at the Halford Johnson Center for brain injury and Pinocchio for eight months. So it was a week short of a year that I was in therapy. And so you, by the end of that, you kind of had a pretty good idea of, of what it took to do it, right? Yeah. And it's, and, but Gord, the biggest, like I mentioned before, the biggest test of who you are as a survivor or whatever is when you go home and you're no longer on that schedule, you have to decide how much time and, and you have to kind of keep thinking of new things to, that you can work on for your recovery. And the big part is to always challenge yourself. Like I've been able to do one on pushups for quite a while, but the other day I, I tried doing, you know, actually a regular pushups and I, I was able to do it. I mean, the right arm still does all the work, but the left arm pushes a little and it's, that was a pretty proud moment when you're able to do, well, for me, a regular push-up again. And it's just to always challenge yourself, no matter what it is. And the left arm has definitely been the most work. That's, uh, that's incredible. That that is what your your goalpost for success is at this point. That you can do all a one arm push up all day long, and now you want to do a two arm push up. That uh, it, it just goes to show you how amazing the human body is, and how the compensation uh, can occur if you just keep working at it. That's and then like I had Gord before my before it happened. I had a a custom fencing business, like I fenced laces and farmer fence, but it was a few years after, well, probably nine years after, whatever, I was able to hold the staple again and put up the wire, and that was a big day, being able to hold the staple again. Oh, yeah, I can imagine the dexterity that it takes to do that. So, Kurt, uh, let's talk a little bit about how you've been able to maintain that positive point of view for 19 years. Is there people in your life that you can call on, or is this something that you just have a deep, deep well of that you you draw upon yourself? I mean, there was when I was in therapy, there was a – his name's Jay Sakili. He was a survivor eight years before me. And I just kind of asked him some tips or whatever. And there's another survivor, Greg Willow. But it's, and I wrote down three things. I wanted to be a speaker. Well, no, teach people and help others. And you have to have a good attitude. And you have, I mean, sometimes, it might seem like things were going slow, but Gord, for the first 13 years, I kept a list of things I could do with my left arm or two arms. 
and it took 10 years to do half of that list. And Gord, you'd be able to, you could look at that list and nothing on there that would phase you. But for me, those are all those are big steps to be able to do again. Oh, I, I can imagine how incredible the some of those things, like how to be able to do them again, how incredible that must feel. And then to your point, for somebody who, who hasn't suffered through this to look at that list and, and it, it wouldn't be that remarkable. So it, it's that's why I was curious if there was somebody who, who was kind of working all through this period to that understood the, the feats that you were you were gaining by doing these things and and just how because the, the the mental health aspect of this uh in the recovery is kind of incredible to me like you're um you know your the, the talk that you had at the beginning um it's easy to kind of figure out how to how to say that and minutes but everything you've said since since you kind of finished that um you, you haven't stumbled anywhere like that's how you feel this is how we, curtis anderson approaches this recovery and the accident and and so so it's not a it's not a, a mask that you're putting on this is how you are and i just i find it incredible that um in 19 years you've kind of you're you're still on the same path uh, i i just think it speaks to your the fortitude like something within you you're not doing this for somebody else you're doing it for you yeah and, and then gord i've been pretty lucky i talk with quite a few survivors and survivors parents and whether it's a survivor that's walking down the same road as me i i whenever i just give them little tips or the biggest thing is i know what they're going through so they can share their struggles or celebrate their achievements and i was pretty lucky you know there's been parents giving me pretty good feedback and there was a young man there i'd heard a couple years ago same as me clayton lakeville and i talked to his dad darcy here a while ago and he told me that i held their family together throughout this whole ordeal and i mean that's pretty good to hear is as a survivor and there's been survivors of different types tell me the same thing i i stopped at the helver johnson center a few years ago and there was a few survivors that were in chairs and i showed them videos of me skating and they said that was an inspiration but i just i just reminded them that i started out in the exact same condition or the same spot that they're in and just I just said hard work. I mean, you guys will be able to skate again too, no problem. Yeah, and that's uh, I guess that's a testament to putting in the work. Just like, um, just like everyone always says, you got to put the work in to to reap the results. Um, I I was reading through through some stuff online about you, just trying to get some background on you, Curtis and. And uh, you mentioned it in already uh, where you met the, the gentleman who was working um, at the at the stampede or at the Pinocchio stampede, pardon me, when and he, he put the intravenous in you. You met him at the uh, at the triathlon that you were participating in, the team triathlon in 2018. Well, how did that come about? Like, do you, are you competing in that or? Well, you, well, 
I'll just go back a bit. It was the first responders rodeo in St. Albert, and there was a friend, Stella Stevens, told me that Greg was going to be there. And so I went to the rodeo, and I was walking back behind the chutes asking if anyone knew Greg Wanko. And then Greg came up to me, and he, you know, said, hello, Curtis. And Gord, probably the, I, I told them, told Greg, thank you for saving my life probably about three, four times before I said anything else. And I just, I keep in contact with Greg all the time. Now he listens to my, pays attention to my recovery. And then with that triathlon, Gord, me and two friends, it was a relay triathlon and I did the running part and I did five kilometers in 58 minutes. So, I mean, that was a pretty good feeling, you know, knowing that you started out being able to told how to walk step by step, but then you're able to do that triathlon. And it just, it shows there's always more in the tank than you think. Oh, I mean, that's incredible. I, uh, like the hair on the back of my neck standing up hearing you tell that story. I can't imagine what it's like uh, to, run the 5k after all you've been through and then to meet the gentleman who you know who was so instrumental in in saving your life like that must have been just an overwhelming kind of weekend or overwhelming period of your life yeah and then well when i met greg and then greg told me about you know about rob mckenzie and rob's now a policeman in calgary so i phoned the department and told her my story and they sent the Anyways, Rob called me, and then in 2019, at the Pinocchio Stampede, I, I talked to Blair Bold, the president of the rodeo, and I told him that I was going to meet Rob, and he lined it up so that me and Rob rode in a wagon around the arena, and they gave me a mic when I was going around the arena, and I said, Rob, I'd like to thank you on behalf of my family and friends for saving my life, but Gord... Rob was sitting in the rodeo the day of my accident, watching the rodeo, and he jumped over the fence. And and two weeks before the rodeo, he took some advanced paramedic training for to intubate, and so that he could intubate right on the site. And that told the tale. He said, "If they if I didn't wasn't take that training, it could have been a different story." Wow. Um, that's incredible just to, to hear that story, to, to hear it all come around 20 years, 19 years later, um, how incredibly important that uh, week or couple of days or whatever it was, that training piece was to hear how big of an effect that had in, in your life and his life. I mean, that's uh, incredible. Then I... I spoke at a Remembrance Day service in Pinoca a few years ago, and they had there were some cadets that were part of their program, and one of them was Greg's boy. So it would have been pretty powerful for him to hear my story and then find out that his dad helped save my life. And then I spoke at the Pinoca school, and his other boy was there. So it's have a connection that way also. Yeah, it's a it's a small world, that's for sure. That's um, ah, I 
I'm not sure, uh, Curtis, I'm not sure what I was expecting exactly um, to have these conversation with you, but uh, I, I, every time you kind of elaborate on something and talk a little bit more, I get goosebumps, you know, thinking about how hard you were working, thinking about the work that you had to put in, thinking about the people that were involved and, and you being able to, to circle back and thank them for that and meet their children. And it's just... Um, you know, it's it if if this is the type of this is the type of story that if people hear it and, and they don't understand the gravity of, you know, ensuring that you're taking all the precautions that you can to be safe and taking the training courses that you need to be in the positions that you're in so that you can react to a situation if it should occur. I just I don't know what what else you'd have to tell them. Um it's it's just it's it's really overwhelming for me, I'll be honest with you. I'm uh, I'm not sure. Uh, if I'm doing a very good job of, of of interviewing you right now, because I'm thinking about all the things that are going on, and it's uh, pretty incredible. Well, thanks, Gord. And I mean, before the before it happened, I had a a custom fencing business in the summertime, and I worked on the drone rigs in the winter. But I'm still involved in the oil field. I I share my story at oil field me safety meetings, so it's still involved in the patch. Yeah, no, that's uh, and that's great. Those are the stories. Um, those young bulletproof roughnecks need to hear. Uh, you know, because we were we were both young bulletproof roughnecks once, right? So yeah. Um. So I was I was going through some of your Instagram stuff, Curtis. Uh, some pretty incredible stuff on there. Watching you skate, um, looks like you met Tara Sloan and Ron McLean up at Enoch when hometown hockey yeah. was up there. The the piece that kind of got me going was, or uh, made my brain think, was you you identify as a cowboy poet. Um, do you have, do you have a poem that you? you can share with, with our audience uh, after going through all this with us? For sure. And this poem is dedicated to the soldiers past, present, and future. It's called The Soldier and a Cowboy. The soldier and a cowboy have fun spend the share of time in the red hot blazing sun the soldier and a cowboy are known for their courage the soldier and a cowboy make the living off the land you could tell the quality of a man by the shake of his hand everyone's future looks bright our Canadian soldiers fight for the freedom of the red and white. Thank you. Curtis was very open and upfront about the uh, the work that goes into recovering from a, a traumatic brain injury. And I guess part of the the work that that doesn't come across in the form of this podcast was just how focused and determined he was in the video to to answer the question with uh with examples of what he's had to do 
and how his life is different as a result of this traumatic brain injury that he suffered at the Stampede. And and as I looked through kind of some of the stuff that's available online about him as I read up on it, he he touched on a lot of it. So there was not a lot of new information that I that I learned, but you can't relay that accurately without talking to the person who was suffering from that injury. And and I'm following him on Instagram uh, as a result of that interview at uh, Curtis Anderson six uh, at Curtis Anderson six. And it's, it's pretty incredible to see the stuff that he's doing on there. It's showing him doing push-ups, one-armed push-ups and two-armed push-ups. And it, it, it's just all these little milestones that he's sharing with the world. And it, it's, it's really heartwarming um, and uplifting to follow along with Curtis as he does it. Again, I, I there were so many times throughout there when he was talking and, and showing, you know, showing the determination uh, that I just, I felt like, man, there, there's so many people that could just take lessons when the little things in our life that aren't going our way and we, we act like it's the end of the world. And, uh, and then he's going along and, and turning all these um, mountains into molehills instead of the other way around. And it's really incredible to me to, to sit through it. And, and it was such an honor to be able to share it with the group. The audio on my end was not great. But again, as I said in the intro, the, the real value isn't in the words that I was saying. It was in the words uh, that Curtis was sharing with us. So I hope you guys got as much out of that as I did. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, there was 20 minutes on either end that we cut out where Curtis and I just sat and visited. And, and it was just an incredible, uh, incredible hour for me to sit and spend uh, talking to the gentleman. So that's another episode of the Second Act Podcast. Again, you know, we're, we're so grateful for everybody who comes along for the ride with us on these, um, these episodes. We're, we're never going to get tired of looking for interesting people to share stories with, to, to help people understand exactly uh, all the different crazy things that are going on in the world out there. People you walk by every day and you don't understand how how unique their real story is uh, more than just what is at face value in the world. And it's just, it's so much fun to really get an opportunity to share it with, uh, with the world. We, we want to remind everyone that there is no wrong answers and there's no test at the end. So please make the most out of every day. The second act podcast would like to thank Ben sound for the intro and outro music. Happy Rock. That is www.bensound.com. We'd also like to thank Chin Whiskers for the promotional consideration. You can find them at your local Tommy Guns, Original Barbershop, Amazon, or chinwhiskers.ca. And we would also like to thank you for listening.